This week on Writers Inc. That small space, that was my favorite thing that like you would think, oh, 300 words, like I can do that. And it's like, what is harder than writing 300 words? Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out, school's in session. This is Writer's In. Zach, how's the book launch going? Pretty well. It's 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 doing pretty good. Um, I can't complain. I don't guess it. Kind of got off to a slow start. I, uh, uh, but it, it really it picked up pretty well. So it, it's it's doing. I would say now about as well as the second book in, in in the series did. So it's I'm in that weird place where I'm in the middle of a series. You know, like this is the third book. So it's kind of um, you're really seeing who you know the read through and stuff and how that's going and. Uh, I'm working on the fourth book, of course, but it's going well. Good. So good. Do you stack yeah. any ads for it, or are you placing ads on book one? How are you? No, I'm it? being. I'm being. I'm still in my place where I'm not doing the Amazon ads. Um, I I've been. I'm I'm real picky about how, when I advertise a series, just because you can only go into that well so many times on those advertisers. Um, uh, so I am. I am about to promote book one a little bit. Um, I think I told you in Slack. I got an international book bub for book one. So they're not, they didn't pick the U S but they picked pretty much everything else, which is kind of frustrating, but zombie stuff also does really good in the United kingdom. So I think I'll still do pretty good on this. And I stacked a couple other ads around it, uh, but, but I'm not going like full out for it. So I kind of want to wait until maybe I get a couple more books out, try for the American book bub again, and then see how that goes. So cool you're, you're gonna get a nasty call from your publicist because you just spoke for like two minutes and you didn't say the title of the book once uh, well you're you're looking at my publicist right now so. dead, what, what is the title of the book uh well the book that just came out is called dead hope and it's the third book in my dead south series oh. so so there you go a, a feel-good pick-me-upper kind of story <laughs> <laughs> The next book is called Dead Love, so that, they, they just, it just gets better and better. So, That's, but yeah, very very happy go lucky romantic pick pick me up. So, you know, well, I won't spoil, but uh, Dead Love would be a great tie into our our guest this week. We'll we'll get to that. That actually sounds like a great name for a band. Yeah, there probably is a band called Dead Love. Actually, there is a band called Dead South, which is weird because every time you type in Dead South on Amazon, they come up. So. Country huh. band. I don't know, probably, probably country rock or something like that. So that's a good question. Speaking of advertising, segue. 
I was I was just over on Book Trip and I was reading an, uh, a Q&A that they did with a bookstagrammer because um, I, I don't know if you guys are, are like I'm watching Facebook ads very, very closely right now because this iOS update started rolling out and, and I'm definitely taking a hit on that. I'm seeing the cost go up. I'm seeing the click through ratio dropping like all the numbers are moving in the wrong direction. So I'm trying to explore every, every other possible venue. Um, Instagram, unfortunately, is owned by Facebook. So anybody that's running ads, you know, like those two platforms are kind of tied together. Um, but it, I, I am finding it interesting that the book buying public seems to be going more towards Instagram than Facebook. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing it's because of the, the visual element there. I'm really not sure. Um, but I know even from the traditional publisher side, like they, they're leaning very heavily towards, you know, sending out ARCs to, to people that are on Instagram that just basically have a you know decent following. Um, which is kind of kind of neat, and I'm, I'm just I'm looking at everything because I just I really feel like this whole Facebook ad thing is gonna you know completely fall apart very quickly. Which I, I know Jay has been preaching for for years and years and years, and and, and you're you're finally right. <laughs> it, look, it, it looks like <laughs> the, 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 the day the day has come. It's here. I'm like a clock. I'm right yeah. twice a day. <laughs> Broken <laughs> clock, I should say, right. <laughs> it's in, the Instagram thing is interesting though because it seems like that's kind of been a coming for a while like that there's been like a slow build in seeing the popularity of these as bookstagrammers I guess is what we're going to call them because um, I remember even when I was on social media a couple years ago Instagram was my favorite platform to be on and uh, you know it, and it was like the bookstagram thing was cool but it wasn't really blowing up yet so it's kind of interesting to hear um that that is really growing and kind of becoming the new thing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm advertising on TikTok right now too, and I honestly have yeah. no clue whether that's that's working or or not working. I I know when I go on TikTok, I can't figure out like, like I, I scroll through stuff and it's you know it's, it's it's a bunch of kids like dancing in front of the camera, like you know all all this silly stuff, and I'm really just not sure how to to market to that. Um, you know, unless I pay a, a bunch of hot girls to like hold my book up, you know, like I just, I'm not quite sure how, the, <laughs> how that platform really works for me. Cause like, even when I do hit an ad, when I'm going through it, you know, like I flip right past it. Like I couldn't even tell you what the ad was, you know, it says ad up in the corner and you know, I'm swiping, it's gone. So I'm not sure how effective that is. The, the Hulu ads, you know, still seem to be doing pretty good. Um, but they're, you know, again, print sales. It's, it's not, they're not moving eBooks. They're moving print copies, um, which is fine and dandy, but the, you know, the mark, the margins aren't the same. Um, so, you know, I, I would much prefer to find a, a new method to, to market those eBooks and, you know, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. So if anybody has figured one out, you know, <laughs> yeah, weigh in, on, I would love to hear it. Uh, I, I admittedly have never been on TikTok. So I, my wife is on there all the time, but I've never actually looked at it. Um, I, I just, I know it's basically video after video after video. Like, so do, are the ads video ads or are they static ads? Yeah. Well, you can do both, but I mean, for the most part, they're, they're video ads. Okay. Um, and, and pretty much when you when you open the platform, when you open the app, like they, they throw an ad in front of you straight off the bat. Um, you know, so it takes a second to realize that you're actually looking at an ad and then you, you scroll past that one. Uh, but then after that, there's like there's no rhyme or reason to what you're really looking at. You know, I, I've been trying to decipher Snapchat, too, for the same reasons for years, trying to figure out how to market books on there. And I, I still have no no clue. I'm sure there's a way to do it. But I just I don't know if anybody that's actually figured it out yet. Yeah, I don't either on that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I know a lot of people are trying to mess with TikTok. Yeah. Um, and, and people have obviously had success on Instagram and stuff, but, uh, but yeah, that's, I, I haven't heard anyone who's been able to do Snapchat. I just yeah, want to so. see the ad where JD's dancing on TikTok selling his book. <laughs> I'm trying to get my daughter to do it. She's three. At least she's cute when she dances. I, I, <laughs> I look like exactly what I am. A 50 year old white guy just failing, you know, flailing around. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that, including me. 
Well, keep us updated. That's interesting. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear how the Hulu stuff is going too. So. Yeah, that one that one is promising. Um, I just I need to figure out how to track it a little better. And, and like I said, if I yeah. I just got to get it to to move some of those eBooks. Nice. All right. Well, let's take care of some business, and then we'll get to uh, get to the interview this week. Um, just a reminder that we have the new Patreon format. Uh, we want to give a shout out to Michelle Tracy Berger for upping her pledge. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, now Michelle can join us uh, every month for the live Q&A episode that we're doing. Um, so if you want to have the opportunity to uh, come on the show and ask your question live uh, to any of us or all of us, head on over to patreon.com slash the writer or slash writers Inc podcast, not the, I also want to give a great shout out to our wonderful sponsors, Kobo writing life. Uh, I had a wonderful conversation with um, two of the ladies of the Kobo team. It'll be on an upcoming KWL podcast episode. So always nice to talk to our friends up in the North, even if they are locked down in Toronto right now, but hopefully the vaccines will get up there soon. But for Kobo Writing Life, uh, you get to set your price, keep all your rights, and take advantage of all their monthly promotional opportunities. And you can do all that without being exclusive. So if you want more information, you can get started at KoboWritingLife.com. So that takes us to our guest this week. Who do we got, J.D.? All right, so I actually looked this one up, and you confirmed it. Her name is Carolyn, and the last name is pronounced Kepnes. Because um, I, I didn't want to flub it again, because I know I destroyed it last week when I was doing the intro. So Carolyn Kepnes. Um, she's got, for, most of us are probably familiar with the, the TV show You on, on Netflix. Um, that her, it's based on her books, and her latest book just released, I think, a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's called You Love Me, um, which is the third in that series. Um, so fascinating, and I know that she had a, quite a journey as far as just getting that show on the air. Um, so I'm hoping she goes into that a little bit. And, and by the way, if the kids are in the car with you, this woman is not shy about dropping the F-bomb. So you may want to put some headphones on them or, or switch to some music for a little bit and come back to this one. But um, here she is, Carolyn Kepnes. So tell me, what brownie badge are you most proud of? Well, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know because I don't remember. I feel like the blur of it is like not liking the uniform. It was itchy, not feeling like this was my place. And I don't I don't think I was in it for very long, as you can tell by that picture. That that picture on Instagram is priceless. Do you have any memory of, of what was going on at that McDonald's? I read, like there had been a ceremony and I remember there were candles. And I just remember, I can the sense memory is being in that ceremony like, oh, come on, is it over yet? And feeling like, I don't like ceremonies in general and it all felt absurd because it didn't mean anything to me. And then there are these candles and I, but I, my parents were very much like, you know, the bribing style of like, we're going to go to McDonald's. Yeah. So it was like, let me eat my fucking cheeseburger. Like I did it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it almost looked like there was someone right off camera who was asking for a bite. That That's what, it's <laughs> just a perfect kid face. I love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean, clearly, um, you know, based on what you've said and, and what I know about you, you know, you, you grew up kind of pre-internet. Uh, you know, what do you miss most about life before the internet? The wonder. Like, I think I have always had a, a little bit of an over-the-top imagination. Like, I can convince myself of things in my head, and I like that. And on the one hand, it's nice to get information, but I always think about being a kid and being in high school and going through, like, hell, through those awful periods we go through. And the thing was, you could get home and leave it all behind. And that's what I miss is that like, you can choose to do that now, but that choice is different from it just being the way it is. So on the, 
in the dark side, I could convince myself that like someone had a crush on me that didn't and I could believe it and no one knew and I couldn't go online and make sure, find out, you know, it's like all these facts. And then from all that, you get the fake news, you know? So I like that you knew that the world in your head was yours and imaginary and you could live there. <laughs> if you could wipe out social media, internet, like if you could just wave a wand, it would be gone today. Would you do it? No, because I, well, I couldn't. And I feel like a lot of good does come from it. I'm just, it's like everything in life. Like it's, I always think it's not like people suddenly went crazy. We've always had crazies in us, right? Like, and amongst us, and we all have crazy streaks. It's just now we have these tools. So <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about McDonald's or the internet. Uh, <laughs> I want to ask you more about uh, You Love Me, which just uh, hit the shelves. How's that been going? Oh, it's so exciting. I mean, every time I see a picture of someone with a book, I'm like, thank you, because I Hidden Bodies was out in 2016 and there were advanced copies out in 2015. So it's a long time and I'm so excited. And I've been like, when you write a book, you get this like little secret language going. And it's so exciting to know that people are reading it and playing with it. Like that's, that's all I want is for the people to be reading the book. Like, I love that. I it's I'm like, this is, it's weird when you have these events and it's like, it's about me. I'm like, no, this is when it's finally fucking about the people reading it. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Well, I'm going to encourage you to be a little self-indulgent here. Okay. Uh, tell I us about the series, about the book. Uh, uh, just kind of set the, set the stage for us. Yeah. Well, Joe Goldberg is this guy who loves to read and is very emotional and doesn't have isn't the best person at making friends and having a well-balanced life. And in each book, we see him fall in love in in his head and then try and make the reality match the feelings that he has inside of him. And you see the way like certain songs, certain moments pump him up and he convinces himself that everything is going well. It's everyone else's problem in the way. And the way that it's grown is that in the first book, when it's all brand new, nobody knows. Like I just talked to someone who started reading you and they were like, when I realized like, oh, he killed his ex. I'm like, yeah, like you, that's that, that's how that one begins. So each one after is different and it's its own experience of what it's like to be someone capable of murder and dating. <laughs> it's, it's such it's such a unique premise and a, and a great approach. I really want to dig into that a little bit, especially from the craft side of things. Mm. How would I, I, I've heard and read so many different ways that people try to characterize this series or these stories. Yeah. How do you describe them to people? I, yeah, I always say I don't do the best job at it. I so many times I hear other people describe it. I'm like, yes, that's it. And then I forget what they said or like I write it down and I can't find it. But I think of it as we're in his head. Like it's a complete head trip. I'm obsessed with mental gymnastics. And I think of him as getting it, giving, getting and giving himself a gold medal all day long. Like he gets down, he talks himself out of it. So it's kind of taken all these things that were taught, like to be your own best friend, to stay positive. He's doing them. And it's about the outcome being very bad for other people. Yeah. And and yet also, like, there's this Mary Kubica book I just read with a great line in it where this guy is awful and he's a doctor and they're thinking that he's a murderer. And they're like, well, it doesn't mean that he's a murderer. Like, there are all different ways to be bad. So this is also the story of someone meeting other people who are not so good and then killing them, which is what we wouldn't do. But we all know when we're like this person and for whatever reason, like I feel like Joe is a big one, too. Like that cage for me was about getting these people into therapy. And in, in his head, he's like, I'm giving you the chance of a lifetime to go offline, to be in here, to think about the bad things you've done and apologize in a tone. And if you don't do it, I'll kill you. Like. 
that's what it com comes down to for me. Cause even on a larger scale, that's what he's doing with each woman in each book. You know, he's putting her in the cage only they don't know it. So take us inside the decision to go second person POV with this, which is a fascinating choice, especially given the, the climate today in, in publishing. Yes, because it's so scary. Well, I'll put it this way. Like for years, I wrote short stories and I had so many short stories in little journals all over online and I, they were weird. And I did a lot of second person. I did, you know, strange, weird things. So there was that part of me. And then every time I tried to write a book, something happened and I was like, it was raining that, you know, it just, I wasn't me. And I, and it was the same way when I tried to write a script, I'm like, how come in the short story, I can be myself for better or for worse. But when I go into these other forms, I tighten up and I'm trying to do what I can't do. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to be my weird self and take it one chapter at a time and go with it. And either it'll work or it won't. But it was like this. I absolutely had to try, you know, because what works in a small space, I wanted to see if it will work in a big space. I don't remember if it was an interview or a, a podcast episode, but you talked about, um, at the time in working on book one or the beginning of book one, listening to a honey dripper, watching the honey drippers video and, yes. and the Prince song, like mm -hmm. how did that affect your decision at all? Very much. Like I, I like being stuck. I like being sucked into things and I like weird things that are visually stimulating. I love that video in particular because there are no words. Like it's you, there's a story there and you know what happens, but I love that. They're like, here are the horses in the water. Like, you know, just, I'm like, that's how our minds work. And I always look at that as like, yeah, we all have this internal life and things float in for no reason or they make sense to us and we can't really convey them to someone else. So I wanted to try and play with that. And I especially worked so hard on that first chapter because I was like, if I can get this, if I can convince myself that it works in one chapter, then I can go on. And it was helpful to the writing process because also in the past, like I write too fast for my own good. <laughs> And I always say fast, as we know, doesn't mean good. You know, what's that saying that you can get it fast, you can get it cheap, but you can't get. So it was like this combination of indulging myself of like, okay, I'm obsessive. I'm going to obsess over this chapter to experiment. And then when I feel like I believe him, I'm going to go on. How yes. did you know you believed him? How did you know you were at that point? Um, I think it was, you know, I rewrote the last sentence of that chapter a lot. And it was something about finally getting the language that felt right to me of like, and you know, when is, I think that's his thumb touches the ink and it was like, she's now imprinted on him. And that felt right. Like how always going back to what he feels, what no one else on the planet knows, what things mean to him. Like, I just love that. I love that in all humans, you know? I mean, and that's, and it was about taking that that fascinates me and taking it to the singular one place. You had a lot of real life experience doing that. Uh, I'd love to know how, your time at Entertainment Weekly, uh, what that taught you about storytelling or human behavior? So much. I mean, I, I started at Tiger Beat. I'll put it this way. At Tiger Beat, there were no fact checkers. It was like this boy band comes into the office. They're singing in German and you're doing interviews. And they're like, I'm like, what do you look for in a girl? Because it's Tiger Beat. And they're like, oh, like big boobs. Wait, no, personality. You know, like, so it was seeing like, oh, the way we all like have to work with our true selves to for the selves we present and that was before social media it's like that's nothing new and then i went to entertainment weekly and my first assignment was going to this uh, sopranos rap party right and it's heaven i mean it was like the height of that show the party was amazing kind of like meeting them all dancing it was great and i hand in this messy like probably about three thousand words thing and my editor's like where are the notes i'm like notes like 
And they're like, there's, you're in here. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in here. Like, oh, isn't this funny? Like Benicio Del Toro, you almost kind of flirted with me. They're like, no, like you were covering the party. So there it began that like, this is like at Tiger Beat, it was very much kind of make it up, fly by the seat of your pants at Entertainment Weekly, amazing writers and editors handing something in, getting it back, that red ink, that small space. That was my favorite thing that like, you would think, oh, 300 words, like I can do that. And it's like, what is harder than writing 300 words about something, having an opinion, getting the facts right? Like it was such good exercise because then no matter what the piece goes, it's published, it's over, you move on and you take whatever you learned. You don't get to rewrite it forever. So that helps in fiction because I take that and apply it to what I'm doing here. Like, you know, like someone's going to edit this and I'm going to move on. But if you don't finish it, no one ever gets to edit it like that draft. So. So I'm assuming then if you if you write draft really fast, you're not doing self-editing as you go. Or are you just pretty much getting it out as quickly as you can? A little bit. And I mean, some chapters, I think, you know, how there's that one part that just drives you nuts. Either it's too long or it's in there and you don't know why. So like on the one hand, I'm like trying to get it done. On the other hand, I'll take those days where I'm like, yeah, today it's me and 20, whatever. Like we're just going to war. Like I, <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, I, I don't want to let this slip by because I got to ask you, Lance Bass, favorite interview? Oh my God. That was great. I got to go to his house. He, oh, unfortunately, I didn't get to snoop. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah, that was about a year ago. So, yeah, that was a nice thing. I brought him a tiger beat. It was just terrific. And we did a podcast talking about books. That was just wild because I love, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, I used to write about you every day. And now I'm sitting here with you. And, yeah, with that Entertainment Weekly, I loved like the like talking to people who are in that spotlight and what they're dealing with. And never it's not like you're going, you know, talking about that experience for them so much. But just knowing what fascinated me, too, about the human experience, like they're all people, you know. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, I, I know, too, that. um that, that you has had an interesting path to Netflix. Can you talk about the synergy between the show and, and your books and, and what that means to you? Yes. I mean, like years ago, it was thrilling. Like uh, Greg and Sarah, the showrunners, they read you. They loved it. I went in. They're like holding it, you know, in this way that like you can just feel it. It's what I tell friends who are going through this with that. I'm like, you want the people making it to number one, be fucking great at what they do and determined to do it and obsessed with what you're doing. So it was this great combination. I felt trust. We go, we get set up at Showtime. It's wonderful. Then things happen there. It moves over to Lifetime, which is also where I tell everyone, celebrate every little moment. Cause I've lived here a while. I know a lot about the business and have been in a little bit. Like it just takes time. It always sounds to everyone like it's overnight, but it's like, this is the years. So we go to Lifetime. Everyone there is wonderful, supportive. There are banners in the sky doing all this press. I mean, I'm so nervous. I'm like backstage with John Stamos and Penn Bad. Like, like we're, we have to go out there. And I'm like sh literally shaking like because they do this and I don't. And it airs on Lifetime. And it just, it didn't, you know, there wasn't a big audience, but there was an audience. So it was another situation where friends are like, are you upset? I'm like, upset? This show, show is fucking awesome. And it exists. And like, I've never been someone like, I feel like, yeah, I love a lot of things that no one knows about. You know what I mean? And so if, if it's like this, it's great. And then it went to Netflix and you don't even like when we found out it, that was happening, like, again, like, I don't expect that. I don't think anyone can like expect to see that be the thing trending. So then put that together with like, 
I've had readers since 2014, just diehard obsessed. And book love is so different from show love, just by nature that when you're reading a book, you're like, you're in his head all the time. It's the reading experience. It's that you and the page and you're picturing everything. So there was no human body attached. And then to have this other way of ingesting this come in and see people have the conversations about whether or not it's okay to love this character. I'm like, the book people didn't ask that because it's reading, you know, it's like, it's, it's just different. So I love, I love seeing these worlds grow and come together. And yeah, I mean, what can you, I mean, it's, yeah. What can you even say? It's so cool. It is. It's super cool. I've talked to a, a few other authors on, on the podcast. And there seems to be a spectrum of feeling like s- some of them are like, yeah, it's great, but like, I don't have any involvement. It's, it's not really my thing anymore. And others are, are much more, have a much more intimate connection. Where do you think you are on the spectrum? It's changed like season one, the timing was great. It had been a few years since I wrote you. I went in, I wrote an episode. I had the time and the mental space. And then season two, they asked me to write an episode, but I had a book due. And I went through this like, thing of like, yeah, I can't be in two places at once. I feel like some people could handle that. I just can't. So I was like, you guys, like you run with it. And you know, it's also, I knew things were going to change. And it was like, I want them to have, I like freedom. Mm-hmm. I like creative freedom. And in the books, I can decide he's going to the beach. He's going to that, you know, I can send him anywhere I want. And there's no consideration of, you know, actor schedules and permits and all that. So that's why I really like, that's why I wrote a book in the first place. Cause for me in fiction, you just go and and you can also stay in the head for forever. So I'm like, they're so good at that. Like their goal is to make a show. My goal is to make a book. Well, that's a, I've, that's a distinction I never, I've never considered. It's like, yeah, I guess if it's a show, you have to write to budget or you have to write within those constraints. Yeah. And you're writing like for that medium. Like, I feel like, again, like in the books from when people like I, Penn once said to me, like my mom just like, she got a Google alert and she's, you were picturing me the whole time you were writing. I'm like, Oh mom, I love you. But like, no, I pictured everyone. I picture I would go to a coffee shop and like talk to a guy and be like, that was Joe. It's because it's about that feeling. And I didn't even picture like and so I had a million like I pictured a million different guys because ultimately you're in his head. So that was part of me. Like the whole point is that I wouldn't know if I was talking to him and what he and, and about how confidence means everything and chemistry. So he thinks he's great. He thinks he's hot. So he goes out and look at that, how it translates, you know, to what other people think of him. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, you lived, um, you've lived in New York and LA. Are, are the guys different? Like uh, when, when you're having these interactions, are they different on each coast? Um, To me, you know, it's not so much that they're different. It's like different ways bring out, like, I feel like I think of finance bros are kind of like stand up comedians sometimes where you meet someone. I remember talking to this guy in New York and in LA once couldn't be more different people in their own lives, but the finance guy was like reciting his success <laughs> And here the stand-up guy is like telling me about a set and his, you know, pitch and all the things he's going to sell. And I'm just like, yeah, this is, they're trying to, you know, they're like showing their feathers and very different feathers, but coming down to the same desire to like, let me show you how great I am. I can and I'm like, and, that. yeah. And yeah. And someone tweeted something last night about, about an app where a guy was like, I'm Joe, like, hello you. And she was like, what the fuck? I'm like, but see, Joe Goldberg wouldn't do that. He understands how to how to be with the woman he likes. He just wishes she didn't have anyone else around, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I like that, yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, I know uh, a few years ago, I believe it was, uh, Stephen King called Hidden Bodies hypnotic and scary. Uh, t- 
tell us it that was story. About you, but yeah, that or was you. so true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like releasing a book is really weird. It's like, it's out there. And then a couple months later, you know, like a friend said this to me once, like, just wait. Cause I was so excited about release day, you know, and it was great. But he's like, you're going to, this little voice in your head is going to be like, where are the parades? Like, how come everyone's going about their lives? Like my book is out in the world. So I was getting comfortable with that. Like, oh, now I'm a writer. I'm working on hidden bodies. Like this is how it is, you know, and it's great. But then I was, I was, I had been sick. I had a fever. I'm in the Beverly center, my least favorite place in where I live, like this mall. Cause it was Christmas. I'm trying to get gifts and my cousin's texting and I have this, you know, Twitter is not my plate. Like, it's just not a comfort zone. So she's like, you have to go to Twitter and look at Stephen King. I'm like, did he, is he okay? She's like, yes, go look. I'm like, I hate, I don't want to go on Twitter right now. I'm in the mall with a fever and I go on and I'm like, oh my God. Like when you grow up, like, I feel like my whole life, even before I read, my dad is sitting around reading those books, you know, and they're kind of on that shelf and I'm not allowed there. And then I get old enough and I read them and, you know, he can write so many different things and he's touched so many lives and been in so many heads. So to think of him reading my book is, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's amazing. Was, was there a favorite Stephen King title on your dad's bookshelf that you went for? He yeah it the well the stand actually the yeah. stand okay okay mm-hmm. yeah but I'm uh, like I'm I like The Shining and the girl who loved Tom Gordon that's my yes that's yeah. one of those you know when something for you like it just then suddenly that lives in your head for forever I love that feeling yes I know exactly yes. it was Pet Cemetery for me that that creepiness just stuck in my head yes mm-hmm. yeah. where for whatever reason you can see the leaves and feel them and hear them like that's just. <laughs> Yeah. I, I know you have a, another book that you've said has been very inspirational, uh, which is American Psycho. Uh, yes. Tell us about your experience with that book. That I was in high school on the road with my mom, looking at colleges and staying in these really scary, tiny, dirt cheap motels. And she was mad that I brought the book because I hadn't been sleeping. And I'm like, oh, bring it. And we get to the hotel, of course. And I'm like, and I just, I was so scared, but also so like, the Whitney Houston parts just like lit me up. And it was like, oh, this is writing. It was one of those moments of like, look at how this isn't like the others. And it's it's published. So I, I everything about it that was so uniquely itself to me, like was very comforting and also just fucking terrifying. Like, especially as you're walking onto a campus with all these guys that look like Patrick Bateman, you know? So that's like... <laughs> Yeah. What what was your relationship to the movie or did you have one like compared to the I, book? I saw it eventually. Like I just, it's one of those things like I with with the shining, I love both in their own separate universes. Me, American psycho. I Christian Bale's amazing. I just love that book so much. It's like, it's, you know, and cause it's tied to that memory and you know. yeah, certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, it's it's been um, a wonderful conversation with you. I kind of want to wrap it, pull it to a close here. Uh, by asking you like a, a pretty open-ended one, uh, which is, you know, there there have been a lot of changes in the publishing industry over the past couple of years, and it, they seem to be accelerating. What does this place look like in another three or five years? I know, right? So I, I see those headlines, like I, someone just bought someone last week, and I'm like, it's going to, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I hope like I have this argue with a friend all the time, not, you know, just debate. Like he's like, we are all like TikTok is life. Those are how brains work now. I'm like, no, there will always be books, always be books. Cause nothing is like reading, but um, yeah, I, I like to like there, I want there to be a lot of ways to publish books, which there are. And you see a lot of smaller presses going up. It's like, if we, have, we can continue having different ways to publish books, 
it'll be good for everyone because more books is more books is good and that diversity too so i don't know i mean it's i'm what do you think in five years like <laughs> well if i if i knew i'd be a rich man <laughs> yeah. i figure i always ask people who are smarter than me that question i figure i'll learn something <laughs> yes <laughs> All right, Caroline Kepnes. JD, let's start with you. What'd you think? <laughs> like I said at the beginning, definitely not shy about dropping that <laughs> F-bomb. Uh, honestly, I, I kind of found that a little bit refreshing because she just seemed so comfortable just, you know, in, in an interview format. Like that made me put my, you know, break out my notepad. And like, I just, I wish I could be that more, that, that much comfortable or that, see, I, I'm still, I'm still screwing up. Like I can't even talk and I'm talking to you. Um, but yeah, like she was just so natural when it came to speaking. I thought that was really cool. Um, I, she mentioned Tiger Beat and that, that's one of the magazines that I used to write for, you know, like years and years and years ago. So like that brought back some, some memories. Um, and, and she's one of the few successful people out there that I know of that, that does work in second person POV, um, which I thought was, was really cool. And then, you know, if, if you pick up the books, you'll, you'll see it. And like, she's, she's been, you know, phenomenal at writing that. I, I'll add too that. I think the, the adaptation to the Netflix show worked so well with that second person POV. Uh, I just finished the, the first full season and it's so good. And, um, and you can hear her, you can hear her voice and her, her, usage of, of the second person POV in so much of the television show as well. Yeah. It's like a young person's Dexter. Yeah. You know, I guess it's <laughs> interesting. I admittedly haven't watched the TV show, but the, I was definitely caught by her talking about second person. Cause uh, that's just, I'm up for a good writing challenge, but that's just one that I'm like, I just don't even know if I could wrap my head around trying to write like that. <laughs> Have either of you guys ever written a second person? I have in, in ghostwriting projects. I've I've had to, to clean stuff up that was written in second person. Um, it's not something that I would I would try. Um, not not in my own. I mean, the, the closest that I've got, I think, is probably the book that I'm writing now. Um, and the only reason is that it's basically the story itself is all told in first person, and he's telling the story to. In a, in a letter mm. format, um, so the the opening couple of pages, he basically addresses you, the reader. Um, but beyond that, I don't think I would actually try it myself. I, I do remember reading a Lee Child book, one of the Jack Reacher books, um, where where he did it, and like it completely came out of left field, and it felt so foreign and and off to me when I was reading it. Like I I think I read the first two portions that were actually written that way, and then for the rest of the book, I just completely skipped over them. Um, oh wow! So yeah, it's like because it, it, it just it, it was something I just didn't want in my head, um, and it, it, to me it just it didn't it just didn't resonate well. Um, and it, you know I, I give them kudos for trying it, but at the same time, like I don't know that I would mess with a formula that's that's working, particularly with something that is just so difficult to pull off, especially in, in a st series that established too. Yeah, like that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I've yeah. I've written some short stories just as an more of an academic exercise, and I I can. I'll honestly say I'm not a big fan of second person POV, but when it's done well, it I, I it fades. Like I don't see it as much. But not many people do it do it well. Yeah, and that's the thing. Carolyn Captain, she definitely does. So if that's something you're interested in, you know, the, the books are, are great, you know, so you're gonna have fun reading them no matter what. But if, if you're an author and you just kinda wanna check out second person done properly, that that's those are the go to books for that. Yeah, I mean she, like like JD was saying, I mean, she just was such a natural interview and um, she just seems really uh, uh, like one thing that caught me is when she said when the series came out on Lifetime and how it was kind of didn't do super great. But she's like, oh, I, but I have a show on Lifetime like and she was just really comfortable with it and everything. And it's just 
um, that kind of attitude is just really, I don't know. She had a very infectious attitude that, that I thought was, uh, that, that, that I really, really appreciated. And it sounds like she's just having a ton of fun doing what she's doing. I wonder too, Point. if that comes from having a background as a journalist where you can't be so precious with your words. Like there's yeah, deadlines and, and you know, I, I, I think that's one of the traps I fall into is I get too precious. Whereas, you know, if you had to write an article every week or wh or whatever, just meet these deadlines, like you just got to get the words done and not worry so much about them. Well, she touched on that too. Like it, it's very difficult to write 300 concise words about anything. Um, you know, anybody here who's ever tried to write the back of the book blurb for your own, your own title, like it's easier to write that novel than it is yeah. to write that, you know, those couple hundred words that have to go on the back. Um, Tiger Beat was definitely unique and, and she touched on that. I mean, they were very into like just free form, you know, like, you know, very fun kind of writing. Like it, it almost, almost unpolished writing was, was better than something that was polished, but like entertainment weekly is the exact opposite of that. Mm. Um, so she, she saw both extremes which is you know I'm, I'm sure that that's helped her quite a bit um and, and what you mentioned about the tv show like if you sit down and talk to anybody who's had something adapted like that story is not unique like these things bounce around forever you know from the time you sign that very first contract you know like i've had stuff optioned over and over again the same titles um you know it bounces from network to production you know, network to network production company to production company so many things change um and in her world like if you think about it anybody has actually seen the show on netflix like netflix is the perfect audience for that show to me i like i, I can see why it wouldn't work on on lifetime because you know like it, that's just it's an older audience like I, I just don't see it you know gelling quite as well so netflix might have been the perfect storm for her. um and it's definitely one of their most watched series so you know the, the new uh, season coming out is going to be huge yeah look out for look out for dead love coming to the hallmark channel <laughs> <laughs> that's called a callback ladies and gentlemen <laughs> If it's a Christmas special, I may check it out. Yeah, <laughs> I can. I can do a Christmas book. I mean, I can. I can fit one in there. So no, nobody's written the zombie Christmas story yet. That, well, I that wouldn't say nobody. I'm sure that's out there. Oh yeah, I, I'd, I'd read that. <laughs> T.W. Piper book is writing it right now. <laughs> it'll, it just it'll be, started. It'll be done by the time this airs. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I want a whole Q and A next month about you, Ryan, and Tiger Beat. That's a challenge for our patrons. I, I oh man! Hear, I, I want, one one of these times, I, I will break out the old photo albums and show you guys some of the pictures of that because that that is some funny stuff. Oh my gosh, that, that sounds <laughs> yeah! I want to see I was that. Rock, rocking the mullet back then with those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone had a mullet back then, Zach. So, just how yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the talk with, with Caroline. She, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, as you guys said, she's you know really easygoing, doesn't take herself too seriously, uh, was really enjoyable to talk to, just kind of honest and genuine and uh, really flowed well. So I, I really, uh, really enjoyed the, the talk too. Cool. All right. Next week, uh, JD, who do we got coming on? Another one of those that's fun to talk to. We've got Andy Weir. Um, and most people know him from from the Martian. Um, he, he's a fascinating guy, um, which I'm yeah, because he's he's extremely smart. Um, but at the same time, like he knows how to, to convey that information to a, you know, a general mass market audience. And, and he's one of those, again, like if you get a chance to see him speak, like I, I saw him at a, a librarian conference in Chicago a few years back when his second book was coming out. Um, you know, a thousand librarians in, in a room and like he completely controlled that room. Like he was totally comfortable up on stage. Um, you know, the entire speech from start to finish, you know, a lot of it was, was completely improvised and he was just so comfortable up there in his shoes. It was, it was almost like watching a stand-up routine because he was extremely funny, which really really surprised me um and I, I 
just finished reading his, his, his new book, um, Hail Mary. And, you know, there's a ton of science in there, just like there is in the Martian, but, you know, he, he conveys it in a way that, you know, makes it extremely, you know, you know, under, understandable to the, the rest of us that don't work in that world. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for this one and it's going to be fun. Yeah. I, I interviewed him years ago before the Martian, uh, was, uh, before the premiere of the movie. And I was also struck by that. Like you don't often get the combination of someone who's really smart and understands science with a great sense of humor. Like that's just yeah. not a combination you see very often. And uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think Hail Mary is going to be huge. I, it's going to be so big. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they, they've got to make that movie. It, it's, it, it, re, it reads like a script. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're being a little coy because we, we got, uh, you know, advanced copies. And, um, but I think the, the book is coming out May 4th, I believe. Um, yeah, it's, it's real soon. Yeah, so as you're listening to this, if you're listening in real time, it'll either be available or very soon, and you won't have to wait. And trust me, you will not be able to put that book down. So I'm really looking forward to talking to Andy next week. Alrighty. To our listeners, make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and grab the free revision masterclass, where you can see the storytelling process from beginning to end. We'll see you next episode, and have a great week of writing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.